I've been known to vulture. I'm a parasite, and I'm terrified of your glaring eyes. So please keep staring, guys, or I won't even dare attention, to try. Attention, attention. I need attention. I need to feed off friendship and presence. I need applause and some pats on the back. Just a couple of claps, enough to keep me comfortable fast. Attention, attention. I need attention. I need to feed off fake threats and questions. I need remand, so punish me. It's better than nothing. Please, something I'm hungering, begrudgingly. I'm an addict. I'm rabid without active attachment. Running ragged just to have it. It's tragic. Love's a habit of need. It is what I fiend for. As I feed pure on free stores and steal yours. Please, more. Curse these cravings. Thirst keeps raging. Bursting veins from hurt speech slang. And oh well, I get it on the rag when negative. The trend is evidence of Hello and welcome to the first episode of Patient US. My name is Louis Bianco. I am a registered nurse. And I am also a certified peer support specialist. On today's show... After a brief introduction of myself, given that it is the first episode, we are going to dive in to the curious case of Patient U.S. And I'm going to use their initials, of course, because of confidentiality. I will explain more of this. I understand that the psychiatric world, uh, in its truest sense, is still very foreign to many people who have not navigated it, either as a professional or as a consumer, And that is the word that we use for people receiving care. Um, I'm going to try to describe it by sharing a case with you. And no, I will tell you right away, it is not my case. It is not my life, although I exist within a relationship with patient U.S. So let's just, before we get ahead of ourselves, because sometimes I do that, I think we all might. Let's just get started with a brief introduction I told you before. My name is Louis Bianco. I am a registered nurse. I have worked as a charge nurse on inpatient psychiatric facilities for adults and adolescents and the geriatric population. I have worked briefly as a psychiatric coordinator, excuse me, uh, for facilities. Then I'm also a certified peer support specialist, which means that at some point in my life I experienced mental illness, and the crisis that surrounds it, I have found my way back to recovery, and they are starting to now have professions for people like me within those same inpatient facilities in which I can offer another type of professional care that is not the same as a therapist or a doctor or a behavioral health worker or a nurse. It's someone who can actually say, I get it. And, I, you know, we're going to dive further into why the therapist or the doctor or the nurse or the behavioral health worker can't say that. Because that in and of itself is uh, quite strange. So those are my basic uh, professional credentials before I started to speak publicly at colleges. I have spoken to uh, criminal justice majors. I have spoken to um, soon-to-be lawyers. I have spoken to nurses, and I'm continuing to speak I've also spoken to uh, physical education teachers at a conference because of early curriculums that I am starting to create. I have written a book and published it. If you would like to check it out, it's called Mental Health Disability Perception Versus Reality by Louis Bianco RN CPS. That can be found on Amazon. Again, Mental Health Disability subtitle, Perception versus Reality, Louis Bianco, RNCPS. And since I don't have any sponsors, I'm sure I'll be throwing in a couple more of those commercials. We got music channels, all sorts of places for 
uh, ways to connect. I have been working on this for close to a decade, although I have shown very little of my hand. Uh, A podcast is something in my strategy, and here we are. So that's my professional side. I also have a personal side. I am almost 37 years old, and at the ripe age of 15, I was, uh, I found myself within the confines of the mental health system. As a consumer, uh, back then it was as a patient. So for over 20 years, I have gone through the system. I have been a consumer within it. I have dealt with doctors whose opinions I didn't agree with. I've taken loads and loads of medications, not all of them possibly necessary. I've been snubbed for certain positions, and I've also been out of control of myself while I have uh, had chances at longer-term professionalism. I have run the gamut of mental illness, specific diagnoses constantly changing, only to end up at this point uh, being told that I am in remission of bipolar, and that is also following numerous electroconvulsive therapy treatments which is when they shock your brain. So I have truly lived a long and arduous life, but I have always hung on solely for the reason that I believed I was meant to be here and I believe that I have the ability to help. I never in my life thought it would be so difficult to help, so energy consuming. I never thought the hardest part of my life would be trying to reinsert myself into forces and teams that need people with my abilities. I thought the hard part would come later in this journey when I started to do what I am now doing, and that is speaking aloud about some things that we have not talked about, uh, possibly in the length I believe we should. Now, I am only going to be using a single case study, as I said, Patient US. I will not share any specifics about them uh, for confidentiality purposes. And I'm going to have to walk a very fine line because in truth, I am not taking any side when I am working. An assessment is opinion free. So although some things may sound harsh, I would like to reiterate that nothing is meant to harm. Nothing is meant to be toxic. Sometimes truthful observation can hurt. But we will work through all of that together as I have sat in the seat of the person being truthfully observed for much longer than I think anybody deserves, to be honest. And I have spent every waking moment of my life because of that truthfully observing. Now, I am not able to say that my reality is more factual than yours. I never would, but I do believe in my ability to assess. I believe in what I've learned as a professional and what I've lived as an American, as a human, as a patient, as somebody who has been completely misunderstood for a very long period of time. And some of it was my own doing because of my misunderstanding of myself and my struggle to gain control. So as we continue down this path, I would just ask, that you remember there is nothing more important to the message I am speaking other than unity. And I am not taking a side, nor will I. When I see something that someone in my family is doing, I do not look at them and act as if I am not associated with them. 
There are times when the people we love act outside of themselves, outside of what we may consider our own moral compass, or outside of what we may perceive as theirs, and we cannot cast them aside simply because it's hard. And that is what was happening to patient U.S., and that is why I felt it was so necessary for me to share this specific case. But before that, if you're in to some hip-hop music with a message, check out ReverbNation.com slash Louis Jojo for some of my greatest hits. Who can forget about Rise Up Recovery? What about Attention? A song from the upcoming musical Tame by Louis Bianco, RNCPS. All of this and more can be found at ReverbNation.com backslash Louis Jojo. Hit it, boys. Oh, sorry about that commercial, folks. We do have sponsors because we have to keep the lights on. I know that we may have built a little anticipation prior to the commercial, but now we are going to dive right in as we were speaking about Prior to the break, Patient U.S. has felt somewhat cast aside. So we're going to look at, I think initially what I would like to look at is this concept of what we may believe love is and its necessity and what we may, we may believe fear is and the possible uh, lack of necessity for, for the concept of fear. Patient U.S. is young, and Patient U.S. has been brought up in a time in which they have been taught to be fearless, in which they have been taught to look at any star, no matter how far away, and believe they can reach it. They have been taught they deserve it, and to a degree, based on the rules that have been set in front of them by their parents, which we will get into, they have earned it. Patient U.S. is not absent of hard work. They are somewhat instead trapped inside an expectation of return simply because effort was put forth. What we are seeing currently with Patient U.S. is a cry for help. Regardless of how volatile it looks, regardless of how reckless it may appear, we are experiencing something at this moment with Patient U.S. that we need to acknowledge as real. Acknowledge it as real without judgment. And the problem for patient U.S., and you will see that this is often a trauma in the, child, in the child's role of a family that is uh, full of discord, patient U.S.'s parents are constantly fighting in front of them. And I, I, I'm not sure uh, we can all relate to this. I can personally say my parents never fought with each other in front of us as children. That doesn't mean they didn't fight. They just never chose to do it in front of us, and I'm very grateful for that. 
But with the people that I've worked with throughout my career and the people I've spoken to and all of the long, multiple-hour chats you have with people as their life is unraveling, whether you are on the clock or not, it is very difficult to feel that you are in a position to need to choose between two things you love equally. And I'd like to repeat that. It is a very difficult position to be in when you are being asked to choose between two things you love. In this case for patient U.S., mother, father, I believe. I didn't get too far into the details. Like I said, for patient U.S., We're just going to say that there are two separate parties. Let's put it that way. Let's just try to walk this line. Patient U.S.'s parents were just two separate parties, if you can imagine that. Constantly arguing, creating negative attention, creating pressure on patient U.S. to choose between them. All the while, those two parties yelling at each other are not in any fashion considering this young patient, U.S. So this is why I want to talk about this concept of what this child has been taught, this patient, consumer. I don't mind, personally, I do not mind being called a patient when I'm receiving care. I have never been offended by that word, but I understand that consumer appears to be more polite. However, I would like to say um, that I've never had a problem with the word patient because when I've needed care, I have not been at my full ability and uh, I was a patient. I was sick. So that's either here nor there. But what is love at this point? So let's look. Both of these parties are telling patient US, I love you. Love me more than you love them. And let's just look at the wildness of that message. So I love you. And if we look at what love means, I think we need to start defining it again or speaking outwardly what the heck we think it means. Because my understanding of love, based on my almost 37 years of existence, is that it is incredibly difficult. To love. And it is much easier and more natural to fear. I find this to all be very interesting as I see these memes floating up and down my newsfeed saying it's much easier to be nice than it is to be mean. And I wonder, are these the messages we are telling patient US? Because if that is true, We are lying to them as these two parties who are meant to protect them and allow them to grow and become what they deserve to grow and become. What is love? Love is compromise. Love is a willingness to sacrifice. Love is a willingness to at all times consider what is best for the other people around you. And my friends... Colleagues, I don't know what words to use yet. This is just episode one. That's not easy. None of it is. 
What is fear? Ignoring someone, keeping them very far away through loud, through uh, yelling or any type of aggressive movement. Fear is agitating people who are agitating you. Fear is easy. It's our most natural response. We can look at pictures of animals in the wild and we can find pictures of them taking care of their cubs. But here's the question. Are they caring for their cubs because they love them the way we perceive the, con the, the concept of love? Or are they taking care of something that is theirs because they are fearful of losing said cubs, theirs, their possession, their territory when we look at other creatures? There is nothing more important than territory. I watch birds every morning fighting with each other to claim a single spot near the suet cakes. It's this big cage that hangs off uh, a bunch of trees and it's filled with like seeds and nuts and they love it. They bicker at each other. They pursue each other and it's all for territory. It's fear of not having that spot. Now you can say that they just want to make sure their babies can be fed. So that's love. And this is where the argument begins. Are they afraid that they won't be able to eat? Or are they so in love with who they're taking care of that they would do anything to feed them? I don't know. I do know, however, that neither is necessarily wrong. So if you have a party that lives somewhat through fear and a party that lives somewhat more comfortably through love, the worst thing they can do is start arguing about whose way is right as if there is only one right way. And I will tell you, based on how we have begun to define love, we are not behaving in the fashion that we are preaching. And it's affecting patient U.S. This is what I observed when I was speaking with those two parties because although I haven't shared with you his complete schedule, we have had family meetings. We have had meetings with one singular party. I've had meetings with the other singular party. I have had meetings with both parties. So we have done this every which way. And the questions continue to arise. And here's what we are truly looking at. In my opinion, we are all in need. And this is what I said to, to patient U.S. and their family. We are in need of so much right now that we are infuriated if others get it and we don't. We are also incapable of giving because we are in such a desperate need. So what we have is a lot of accidental neglect occurring in this specific family structure. And accidental neglect is basically what I believe to be a concept that I am not a negative person, but I am so in need of something that I'm not receiving that I will act in ways that will frustrate you, possibly hurt your feelings, possibly scare you, possibly put a strain on our bond. And that still doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. To live a life allowing that truth to exist is what love actually is. What else is love? Here's another interesting concept. We have two parties, these, these caregivers for patient U.S., constantly talking with an inability to listen. Patient U.S.'s insecurities and feelings of self-worth are out of control. Insecurities increasing, self-worth decreasing, 
all while Patient US continues to present with a nice athletic frame and a big smiling face. We are presenting Patient US with a hubris and an over assessment of our own abilities and an under assessment of our own limitations, causing huge dysfunction. I'm gonna check the time here quick. I'm gonna send you over to the, uh, another uh, message from our sponsors. And boy, I really love this one. I've gotta tell you, we'll see you after the break. Remember, we are at uh, dysfunction, excuse me. Hi folks, Rex Flexon here with my co-host, Bobby Baby. Hey baby, B-Y-E, B-Y-E, Bobby Baby, bye-bye baby. That's right, Bobby, if you love high-paced, fast-action wrestling, then go ahead on over to YouTube and look for the LWF. It's the Louis Jojo Wrestling Federation, the first of its kind, a digital territory with over 60 original professional wrestlers ready to throw down in front of a live crowd sold out every single time. Isn't that right, Bobby? You know it, baby. That's right, Bobby. So why don't you head on over, everybody? That's, again, that's YouTube. Look up LWF, One Nation. It's our most recent pay-per-view, and it was a hit. Live from Philadelphia, I still can't forget what I saw. It's etched in my brain forever. Take it, Bobby. Bobby Baby says bye-bye, baby. B-Y-E-B-A-B-Y. Oh, I do love those guys, I've got to tell you. They are just really, really great guys. Uh, I've actually watched the Louis Jojo Wrestling Federation. I've got to tell you. I understand that they have some production issues because uh, the money's tight, but they're really onto something. Uh, it's it's uh, it's like a more than you think it is, but but isn't everything. So so we're gonna get back to this dysfunction that we we ended up at based on the long and wordy spider webs I'm creating conceptually. I apologize. I'm gonna listen to it back. I believe I've stayed on track, but sometimes I wander and I apologize for that if if I do. It is not my intention to sit here in the seat of an expert. The reason you have never heard of me is because I have not ever offered a 30-day Rid Yourself of Stress or Anxiety book because it doesn't exist. The process that it will take to cure patient U.S. is far more than anything that could occur in a single month. And I will be sure to encourage both the patient U.S.'s caregivers and my staff to continue to challenge themselves to understanding their own perceptions before trying to understand the behaviors of anyone else. As I've explained to patient U.S.'s caregivers and to patient U.S. about this dysfunction, the problem with this dysfunction is I have learned everything I need to know about you and I have no idea anything I need to know about me. I'm expecting you to figure that out. That's how you show me you love me. I shouldn't have to say this. I shouldn't have to tell you what I need. You should know. Patient U.S. has said this to their caregivers, the caregivers have said it to each other, and the caregivers have now said it to Patient U.S. That's a dysfunction. It's a strange enmeshment, and it's an unhealthy relationship. It's not just dysfunctional, it's toxic. And you can find books on, on the effects 
the long-term effects that toxic stress has on a human being. It's called, uh, I'm going to look it up, I believe it's Nadine Burke Harris, and it's called The Deepest Well. And she has started to look at a set list of traumas that could be experienced in youth, and it's starting to become linked scientifically with strokes, heart disease, poor physical health. These dysfunctions last much longer than they take, especially if we don't address them. So let's look at how this becomes trauma, these little quote-unquote microaggressions, which is not a phrase I'm too keen on. Again, going along with this entire process, constantly waiting for someone to do something wrong is exactly what you use to deflect people from doing it to you. It's a way to stay ahead. And then we do these things and we say, well, I'm doing it for the betterment of so-and-so or the other party. But isn't it possibly true that we are doing it to deflect away from ourselves? I will always point out something far enough away that I feel safe where I am. I will divert your eyes constantly and... Sadly, I divert my own eyes to my own reality by diving in to the reality of others, whether it's our neighbors or people even further in our community. And given social media, it could be people halfway across the world. We are not short on distractions of how to avoid self-assessment. And this is what I tried to express to patient U.S. because this is unhealthy. Let's look at this a couple different ways. Remember, we're going to keep fear and love in the backs of our minds and truly try to assess. I'm going to try to speak as vaguely as possible to share situations. You have a family. This is one that I share often when I speak publicly. We all understand hunger. We know that if there's six of us and there's eight slices of pizza, we all get one. Two people get two. Who gets two? Who knows? If everybody is fed and satiated and they're not growing then their needs are met with one pizza. Now, let's say somebody in the family hasn't eaten for days, for months, for years, and they are sitting at the table with people who are expecting even a single piece, and the pizza's gone because they're starving. Imagine that that is what is happening with concepts such as attention or control. We have gone without these needs for so long that we are almost compulsively getting them met because we do not know how to verbally ask for them from the people who are supposed to love us. This is dysfunction. This family needed help. And I was, de I was determined to do whatever I could. But I have to reiterate as often as possible that this is non-judgmental. This is the viewpoint from somebody who has suffered long and survived it. This is the viewpoint of someone who has been you know, locked up for longer than as many days as I wanted because I exhibited behaviors that are being exhibited by a massive, a massive people. The idea that someone should know what I need without me saying it. The idea that I know what they are thinking and that I don't even care what they're saying because I know what they're thinking. All of those types of behaviors were shut down when I exhibited them as a child. And I was locked up because of what those things were doing to me in psychiatric facilities. How is it that we are now doing it in droves? How is it that we are becoming more full of hate and more judgmental 
when all we have taught is love and acceptance? How is this dysfunction existing in a society that has completely tried everything they can to make as many people as possible comfortable? I don't know. But I'll tell you what I think after this short commercial break. Hey, remember when I was talking to you about my book, Mental Health, Disability, Perception vs. Reality? Well, I'm here to tell you about that book again. And now, back to the show. That's right. I, you know, that commercial could have been a little more original, I've got to tell you. But I did read uh, that book, Mental Health, Disability, Perception versus Reality, by Louis Bianco, RN, CPS. Excellent book. Couple errors still. The brain's a little bit fuzzy, but I'm telling you, there's something here, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And I'm really excited about speaking. So we were talking about Patient US, and we were talking about how we have become so entangled in almost this, this very messy family structure that this patient is is now a part of, all while perceivingly or uh, possibly delusionally believing that we have created an environment that solely loves while removing a fear. So let's say love kind of possibly equals chaos. And let's say fear equals order. The removal of fear, the safety of acceptance and, and, and radical love, radical acceptance, will lead us to not uh, experiencing feelings of shame ever, guilt ever, um, embarrassment. We, have, we are slowly removing those feelings from reality, and yet life will cause us to feel them. So by never feeling them until I'm 40 years old, maybe patient U.S., excuse me, patient U.S. won't experience it till they're 50, till they're 60, till they're 70. If they've never, ever experienced it before and then they experience it halfway through their lives, it can be detrimental. If nothing less, patient U.S. needs to learn a little bit about the necessity of fear while also learning how to control it because it is dangerous but only in excess. And what we are learning now and what Patient US is demonstrating is that so is love. Love is incredibly necessary. I'm a huge component of love and of hope and of faith. They're characters <laughs> in my play. They are forces in my life that have lifted me up when I have been broken. I will never denounce them. But to say that fear was not part of it as well, would be a lie. To say that things like ego were not part of my recovery would be a lie. I'm happy I care about how I present. It has helped me stand up straight much longer than it's been comfortable. It has helped me lift my head up and look people in the eye even when I continuously feel embarrassed about the life I have lived up until this point. I'm fractured. My life will never be the same. I have medical issues. I have been completely shot down. And yet, I rise. And not only do I rise to my feet, I reinsert myself in those same places that accidentally broke me, and I try to help them so that they don't accidentally break a whole nother generations of me's. And, and as many of you's that are out there that are also, when I say me, consider yourself, because I'm not the only one. I fear larger and larger numbers. 
of our greatest resource, our citizens, will be broken before they can ever bear fruit. And we need them. We need patient U.S. to have confidence, to be brave, and to be courageous. And sadly, if there is nothing to fear, bravery will not manifest. We will all instead develop delusion. Delusions of bravery while never having to go on a journey or an adventure. And this is not to say, and this is what I said to patient U.S., please don't misunderstand me. This is not to say that struggle is necessary for success. We're going to head into our closing statements here because I feel very passionate about this. We're going to leave patient U.S. right here. Uh, we're really diving into the dysfunctions of the relationship. It borders on possible emotional abuse. That's what we're looking at. Terror, the creation of terror, possibly by accident in the name of justice. Who knows? We need to talk more. We need to observe more. And my goodness, we certainly need to listen more. Let's get into our final statements. It is not necessary to have experienced struggle to feel pride in accomplishment. If you have come from a position where you have been loved and you have been lucky enough to avoid every pitfall because of your own intuition, because of the appropriate instruction you re received from your family, because of the hard work they put into their lives before you arrive, you still deserve credit if you earn something. I am tired of needing to see every single person's sad backstory in order to give them applause. There is something to be said about allowing people's behaviors to decide what they truly are. We cannot keep putting labels on people just to skyrocket them to the top, to trending status, to winning a reality show, to getting to be on talk shows. I am somebody who sits in the seat of disabled at this moment. And I have refused to this moment to use that as some sort of way to elevate my career. I want to be noticed because of the work that I've put in, because of the products that I've created, and because of my integrity at this point. And I will remain calm, and I will continue to look for a way to get this message heard. I've listened for a very long time. We deserve credit simply because we work hard and earn it. We might not always get the return that we're seeking, but we, I will refuse to rob anybody of their achievement simply because they haven't lived a life as tumultuous as mine. I will still praise them. I will be proud of them and happy that their life wasn't full of torment. That means they're not as worn down. That means they still may have energy. Anybody who gets through their youth, their young adulthood, their middle life without crisis is as much of a resource as the people who suffer from crisis and survive it. There is no one single way better than another. I am going to take a firm stand that I believe everybody knows what suffering feels like 
I believe everyone knows what struggling feels like. I will not try to take ownership of something so terrible because I actually know what it feels like and I do not wish it upon anyone. I don't care if the stimulus that causes them to react that way is less than I believe the stimulus that caused me to react that way. I am aware they're feeling it. And I know what it felt like and I didn't like it so I will not make them feel worse while they are suffering. Even if they do not live a life of suffering. I will also not say, well the fact that I graduated college is more impressive than the fact that you graduated college because my life sucked before I went to college. No! What does that do other than allow me to talk about myself and rob you of some sort of pride that I believe you don't deserve? If you work hard, you deserve. To a degree, we all deserve to be treated appropriately. We all deserve to be cared for. We deserve to feel safe. And when we don't, we start ending up in this seat that patient U.S. is in. Scared, unable to admit it, unable to verbalize it out loud, willing to fight, willing to become angry, filled with resentment, spite, and hatred. Because it's at least more socially acceptable than saying help. We will see if we can help patient U.S. I'm so happy that they came to me. I'm so happy that I get to do this with all of you. My name is Louis Bianco, RN, CPS, and I am signing off. I am checking out. Shift is over. I'm going to have to come up with a, a catchphrase or something. I'm not sure I have it yet, but I'll get it. Take it easy, guys.